0: Real fight night. Joe Biden mumbles, Bernie bumbles, Warren fumbles, and everyone grumbles. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. Now, that's some pretty outsized enthusiasm for what ended up being a pretty soporific debate. Soporific in the dictionary. Boring. Okay, gonna put you to sleep. Here's the thing there were some moments, there were some moments, but how do you think that debate went last night for the Democrats? And it was the first real debate because you got all 10 of the leading candidates, meaning three leading candidates and a bunch of Lilliputians. You got all of them on one stage and it was a grand moment. Oh, it was, going to, it was going to be the moment when we got some clarity on the candidates. Yeah, we didn't. Instead, what we ended up with was a bunch of people clubbing each other with sticks. And it wasn't really particularly telling because how you think the debate went last night depends on what your expectations were going in. So if you thought that Joe Biden was going to collapse and fall off the stage, you didn't quite do that. And he sort of stumbled around on stage, knocked into some furniture, but he's still upright, right? He's, he survives. If you thought that Bernie Sanders was going to collapse into pudding, that didn't happen either. Bernie was just Bernie, right? Bernie is always Bernie. That guy's been Bernie since he was five. He's sort of like the high school principal in Back to the Future. That guy was always bald. Right? But Bernie was always Bernie and Bernie will remain Bernie. Long after he's dead, Bernie will be stumbling around talking about making the rich pay their fair share. And if you thought that Elizabeth Warren was going to have a breakout moment, and, and this is where I think that the debate It didn't change anything, but it did change an underlying assumption. If you thought that this was Elizabeth Warren's moment to shine, she really didn't. She really didn't. See, what we have right now, just in terms of the dynamics of this Democratic race, is a three-way standoff. We have the very end of the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have three people, and they all have their guns pointed at each other, and it is utterly unclear who's going to fire first. And each person has a, a sort of prisoner's dilemma with the other members of the stage, The, The worst possible option is for them to open up their guns on the other members of the stage. But if nobody opens up their guns, then everything remains exactly as it is with Biden eking out a narrow victory over the combined voting force of Sanders and Warren. But for each individual candidate, they have no real interest in starting a firefight. So Biden did it a little bit with Warren, a little bit. And Warren didn't really hold up particularly well to it. But the fact is that each one of those candidates sort of wants to avoid conflict with the other two. So if you're Bernie. What you're hoping is that Biden attacks Warren, Warren attacks Biden, they knock each other out like a NASCAR crash, and you just run on the inside lane and win the nomination. If you're Biden, you're hoping that eventually Sanders and Warren tire of being best friends and they go after each other and you just sort of walk through that middle lane to the nomination. And if you're Warren, you hope that Bernie at a certain point gets frustrated and Takes out Biden for your benefit, but in doing so poisons the well with all the Biden voters and all of them end up with Elizabeth Warren. So you have all of these three candidates with their guns pointed at each other, but none of them actually have an interest in starting a firefight. So there's a lot of talk before the debate yesterday about maybe this was going to be the moment when they opened up their guns on one another. But that's not happening. That's not happening. And the person who really in the end does need to break away from the pact is Warren. So if you if your assumption, if your baseline assumption is that if Warren just keeps doing what she's doing, she wins the nomination, then she had a fine night last night. If your baseline assumption is she does need to do something to overcome Biden. And that is my assumption, because the polling numbers at this point, as much as there's been talk about her early polling numbers and her gradual rise in all this, she has no support in the black community. Bernie support level remains absolutely steady in Iowa right now. Bernie and Biden are running ahead of Elizabeth Warren and in New Hampshire, In several of the polls, Bernie is running ahead of Elizabeth Warren. If she loses Iowa and New Hampshire, she is toast, right? She has to win at least one of those two races, which means I think she has to make a move. You add that to the fact that she is obviously the smartest person on the stage in terms of IQ. And she taught at Harvard Law School. She has written some pretty well-cited articles on bankruptcy. And I've seen her teach classes, right? And she is fully capable of engaging in the Socratic method, of engaging in back and forth. I really expected more from her in the debate. So my expectations were disappointed. You got pretty much what you expected with all the other candidates. You got Biden, who was combative and old and half senile. But the truth is that that Biden is actually pretty damaging in a general election campaign. Why? Because all of his foibles, all the stuff that makes Biden a bit of a weak primary candidate, makes him a dangerous general election candidate, including the fact that he's old and kind of senile. Why? Because in a general election, the fact is that if you are looking for a default candidate who doesn't scare you, Joe Biden looks a lot like that candidate. I mean, the guy has to have people choose mashed potatoes for him. I mean, that's not scary. Right? Like, there's this, there's this clip going around last night of David Muir asking Biden a question, and it's obvious that his polydent came loose. And those dentures start shifting around his mouth, and he's trying to bite him back into his mouth, looking like Jim Carrey from The Mask. And it's a real bad moment visually for Biden. We can play a little bit of that. If you couldn't get it done after Sandy Hook, why should voters give you another chance?
1: Because i got it done before. I'm the only one up here who's ever beat the NRA. Only one ever beat the NRA Okay, national. he
0: finally gets his teeth back in his mouth there, but it's pretty obvious that his teeth are slipping around. Now, everybody is saying, well, that means he's too old. In a general election, if the entire general election is premised on, here is an old man who doesn't threaten you in any way, that's not a horrible pitch, I mean, honestly, because he's running against Trump, right? And Trump has high toxicity levels. So if you are trying to run dead tree stump against Trump, If you're casting that in central casting, Joe Biden is that. So even his gaffes in a general election play okay. So was, was anybody's impression of Joe Biden changed dramatically last night? I don't think so. Was anybody's impression of Bernie Sanders changed last night? Of course not. Because again, Bernie Sanders is the most consistent candidate in the field. He was, is, and always will be Bernie Sanders, an old red from the 1930s. Elizabeth Warren, she didn't change perceptions, but she did lower sort of the estimation of her skill level. Because she's supposed to be the one with the plan, right? She's supposed to be the one who is capable of navigating the twists and turns, of turning people inside out. She's going to prosecute the case against Trump because she's so smart and she's so incisive. And she basically fumbled up there last night, I thought. I thought she did not have good answers to any of the questions that were asked to her. I thought that she, she feels like someone who is not comfortable with her own agenda. That's really what she feels like. She feels like somebody who feels like she has to say all these things, but doesn't actually believe them. Bernie is the true believer. Sanders is the new convert who sort of not into the whole speaking in tongues thing, right? She she, she walks into the commie church and she's like, well, I, I get that I sort of have to be a commie, but at the same time, I'm not really a commie. And so I'm really uncomfortable with saying all of these communist nostrums. And Bernie's out there going, yes, I will raise our taxes. Yes, I will spend all the money. Yes, I will bankrupt the country. Sure, why the hell not? And then you got Elizabeth Warren. And she's like, well, eh, well, no. And people are like, well, you know, your plan is the same as Bernie and Bernie's honest and you're not. Right? This is why a lot of the Bernie bros look at Elizabeth Warren and they're like, she is a dishonest Paul. And that is correct. She is a dishonest Paul. Okay, so we will jump into the actual content of the debate in just one second. Don't worry, there are going to be debate grades and we're going to go through each of the candidates. Suffice to say, Andrew Yang is the only one who doesn't receive a grade because Andrew Yang's grade is Andrew Yang. Right? He just is Andrew Yang. There, there's no grade. He's not on the chart. But any, everyone else, we give debate grades too. We have a lot coming up first. Let's talk about how many cars there are on the road. So you're driving around, looking at all those cars, and maybe you think to yourself, you know, if my car breaks down, do they have the specific car part that I actually need, you know, over at the auto parts store? The answer, probably not. Probably they have some generic part in back that costs too much money. Instead, you should be using the interwebs. It's an amazing place, the interwebs. You can be using rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog, super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and filter by brands, specifications, and prices. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. They've got terrific selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Dot com. Go check them out right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Why get parts that aren't going to fit at the worst price? Instead, get the parts that are exactly right at the best price. Write Shapiro in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Go to rockauto.com right now. Okay, so we're gonna give grades in a little while. Suffice it to say, this was basically a giant holding pattern. I don't think you're gonna see the polls shift in any direction, one way or another. I think the media are gonna continue to try to uphold Elizabeth Warren as the Front runner of the campaign, despite the fact that in the real clear politics poll average, she is dead even with Bernie Sanders right now. And both of them are substantially behind Joe Biden. With that said, I thought she underperformed last night. I thought she had a real opportunity to break out. And I think she absolutely did not. The big winner of the debate, as per our usual arrangement, is Donald Trump. Why? Because you had a bunch of Democrats who were shouting at each other about all the things they were going to take away from you, your private health insurance. They're going to take away from you your car. They're going to take away from you your gun. They're going to take away from you your sense of the goodness of the country. They're going to release criminals onto the streets. They're going to take away from you border control. They're going to take all these things away from you, these Democrats. And in return, they will give you enormous levels of taxation. That was basically the policy pitch last night. Now, look, the, the Democratic primary debates are about winning a primary. But there is something that I think has shifted in American politics since the Richard Nixon days. So the old nostrum that Richard Nixon used to throw out there about presidential politics is that, he was a Republican. you run to the right in a primary into the center in a general. And, and you've seen everybody in politics abide by this nostrum that that on the if you're on the left, you run to the left in the primary and you run to the center in the general. There's only one problem. We now have this thing called tape., okay, And things that you say in the primaries don't stay in the primaries. The stuff that you say in the primary debates ends up resurfacing in the general election. And if that's the case, good night for Trump. Because the fact is that every Democrat on stage basically pledged to be incredibly radical, except for Joe Biden, which is why I say the biggest threat to Donald Trump in this election is and remains Joe Biden. Why? Because again, he is unthreatening. He's the grandpa that you drop off at Denny's at six o'clock. You pick him up at 630. You bring him home. You put him in PJs. You put him in bed. He watches a couple episodes of Matlock. That's not threatening. It doesn't feel like, oh God, he's going to shift the country out from underneath me. And that's really Biden's whole campaign is that he's non-threatening and also that he loves Barack Obama. That's the other dividing line that none of the other Democrats can get around. No one has stapled themselves to Obama's pants leg with more staples than Joe Biden. I mean, that dude took a staple gun and just stapled himself directly to Barack Obama's pant leg. And last night he made that obvious and he made that clear. And the other Democrats suddenly realizing that, wait a second, Barack Obama was pretty popular among Democrats and particularly among black voters. They started to pay at least mild homage to Barack Obama. But the problem is they can't draw contrast with Biden without drawing contrast with Obama. So, again, I I don't think that Biden is out of this race. People are already counting Biden out. I think that he's a weak candidate. I think he's been receding, but I do not think that he is out. And I was a little bit encouraged by his performance if if I'm in his campaign and a little bit more encouraged by Elizabeth Warren's performance because she just did nothing last night. She was just a wet sack last night. I mean, she, she just did not do anything. Okay, so let's jump into how this debate went from the very beginning. So we begin with the opening statements. And they're the usual litany of complaints against Trump. Kamala Harris, who has decided that her entire campaign is going to be Trump is horrible and mean and very, very bad. So every answer she gave last night was how mean and terrible and horribly bad Donald Trump is. She didn't give a single reason anyone should vote for her because there is no reason to vote for Kamala Harris. She's awful. Here is Kamala Harris making her pitch. Trump is a mean, mean man who's mean and does mean things.
2: The only reason you've not been indicted is because there was a memo in the Department of Justice that says a sitting president cannot be charged with a crime. But here's what you don't get. What you don't get is that the American people are so much better than this.
0: There is nothing more stilted in American politics. And when a candidate says into camera directly to your opponent, Mr. President, I know you're listening to this right now. You're a mean, bad man. Look how brave I am for going right. Trump ain't watching that. He was given a rally in Baltimore where he was actually pretty funny. But this is Kamala Harris's pitch is elect me because Donald Trump is mania. Yeah, good luck with that. Bernie Sanders actually has a pitch. Okay, Really, like I think that people who are, who are treating Elizabeth Warren as though she's a serious upgrade from Sanders. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. Bernie is more passionate. Bernie is crazier. Bernie is more consistent. Elizabeth Warren is occupying this weird middle space between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. She wants to grab Sanders' policy adherence while also appearing to be somewhat more moderate like Biden. That's an uncomfortable place to be. She's sort of between a rock and a hard place. I don't think that the support base for either one of those candidates is in serious danger of eroding to the point of disappearing. Here's Bernie Sanders explaining in his typical Shouting at the sky, Homer Simpson's father fashion, about how we need to stop the oligarchy. And by oligarchy, I do not mean people at the top of government who want to steal all your money and regulate your life. I mean a bunch of people who run businesses. We need to stop them because they have provided me with these glasses and all my clothing and the pudding I so enjoy, but they're bad. We have got to recognize that this
3: country is moving into an oligarchic form of society where a handful of billionaires control the economic and political life of this country. And as president, I am prepared
0: to take them on. Wow. And he gave you the crazy eyes. He gave you the, he swallowed an entire shovel full of gravel before he even started this. In fact, he swallowed fellow candidate Mike Gravel right before this debate began. That was his pitch. And then there was Warren's pitch. So Warren's pitch is, I'm so brilliant. I have a plan. I have a plan for everything. Yeah, except that when you were asked like simple, basic questions about your plan, it didn't go great for you. Here is Elizabeth Warren last night.
4: The paths to America's middle class have gotten a lot smaller and a lot narrower. Today, service members are preyed upon by predatory lenders. Students are crushed by debt and families cannot afford childcare. I know what's broken. I know how to fix it. And I'm going to lead the fight to get it done.
0: OK, she is people keep saying she's charismatic. I see no evidence of charisma right there. I mean, really. Like, we had prepared. I'll tell you what we would prepared on this show. We had prepared for the possibility that Elizabeth Warren would score some points against somebody. And then we were going to play the gif of her dancing like a crazy person at a rally. And you know what didn't happen last night? Any of that. So thanks, producers, but we don't get to use any of that. Sorry about that. Right? We don't even get to use this tape. We'll just use it now because, I mean, why the hell not? Of Elizabeth Warren dancing at a rally. But that's not... Uh, <laughs> Any excuse to play this tape, basically. I mean, it, it does not matter. Her dancing like Elaine in Seinfeld or looking like Kermit the Frog. Like, that's, yeah, she is, that's electricity. Well, she, she did not have the electricity last night. Joe Biden's case was basically, I'm here. I guess we have to do this thing. I mean, like, we won't postpone it. I'm going to quote JFK. You can trust me because I'm basically comatose. Go.
1: Look, this is the United States of America. There's never been a single solitary time when we've set our mind to something. We've been unable to do it. We're walking around with our heads down like woe is me. We're the best equipped nation in the
0: world to take this on. It's no longer time to postpone. We should get moving. OK, so it was no more postpone. But here's his real campaign. Postpone everything. <laughs> Just say, like, let's let's not do this anymore, guys. Please, please. No more of this. Elect the elect a man who, who has to be wheeled in to to actually perform the office of the presidency. And honestly, the most honest pitch last night, as always, the most honest person on the stage, my boy, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. The truth is that Andrew Yang likes business too much to be a Democrat. But at the same time, he does have the, the most pure Democratic pitch, which is here's some money. So here's Andrew Yang last night being like, you get some money and you get some money and you get some money. My boy, Andrew Yang, go for it.
5: My campaign will now give a freedom dividend of $1,000 a month for an entire year to 10 American families. Someone watching this at
0: home right now. Okay, so that's awesome. (laughs) I will just acknowledge that that is... Pete Buttigieg was like, that's a funny idea. Pete Buttigieg was the worst. Okay, Pete Buttigieg was awful last night, like really bad last night. A lot of the fringe candidates had their moments to shine. So Amy Klobuchar did okay last night. and, And you saw... A couple of the other candidates, like Cory Booker, had a couple of good moments last night. Yang was Yang. Buttigieg was terrible. Buttigieg was terrible. Julian Castro was awful. Beto O'Rourke is just the worst. Beto O'Rourke was so off the rails, You thought that he was driving drunk and crossed the median line. And Beto O'Rourke was so bad. Okay, we'll get to all of that coming up in just one second. First, let's say that you were watching that debate last night and you wanted to die. Because, I mean, why would you watch three hours of that debate and want to live? But you haven't left anything to your family. You haven't actually made sure that you have life insurance. Well, this is National Life Insurance Awareness Month. You are now aware you need life insurance. So go be an adult. Make sure that you're taken care of. Go to policygenius.com right now. Getting life insurance doesn't need to be difficult or expensive. Right now, prices are the lowest they have been in 20 years. Policy Genius has made it easier than ever to get covered. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for life insurance online in just minutes. You can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply... The Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home insurance, auto insurance, disability insurance. Their their website is extraordinarily easy to operate. You can get this thing done really quickly. I know you're sitting there right now thinking to yourself, why in the world didn't I just... Go get life insurance while I was watching that horrible Democratic debate. I mean, I was sitting there for three hours doing nothing. And those are three hours I'm never going to get back. You're asking yourself the right question. Go over to policygenius.com right now and go check them out. Get quotes, apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right this instant. Policygenius, it's the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Be a responsible adult. Do that for your family, policygenius.com. Okay, so now we get to the policy in the Democratic debate. Yeah, the big policy argument, it took up like the first 45 minutes of this debate, was health care. So this is always fun. Because basically, I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama claimed that Obamacare was gonna cure healthcare and that didn't happen. And now Democrats are like, you know it would cure healthcare if we tax the living bejesus out of you and also get rid of your private health care insurance. And Joe Biden is over there like, guys, guys. Yeah, well, this is why Joe Biden continues to be a fairly solid candidate in the Democratic Party right now. Here's Joe Biden really lashing out at, at Elizabeth Warren. This is the one moment Where he lashed out and Warren had no answer for this. Here's here's Joe Biden explaining uh, your plan on health care really blows. It's really a terrible plan.
1: I think we should have a debate on health care. I think uh, I know that the senator says she's for Bernie. Well, I'm for Barack. I think the Obamacare worked. My plan for health care costs a lot of money. It costs seven hundred forty billion dollars. It doesn't cost 30 trillion dollars. $3.4 $3.4 trillion a year, it turns out, is twice what the entire federal budget is. That's before it exists now, without interest on the debt. How are we going to pay for it? I want to hear tonight how that's happened. So as far my distinguished friend, the senator on my left, does not, has not indicated how she pays for
0: it. Correct. Correct. Okay, so this is Joe Biden. Really, he does get in a solid shot here. There's a solid body shot against Elizabeth Warren. And Elizabeth Warren had no answer for it. And this is the problem for Elizabeth Warren is Elizabeth Warren used to not be fully crazy. Elizabeth Warren knows better than the stuff that she is saying right now. And so she is uncomfortable with it, right? Bernie Sanders is not. If he had directed that at Sanders, this is why he went after Warren, because he knows that Warren probably does not believe a lot of the things she says. Bernie's a true believer. You direct that question at, at Bernie, it just goes, we tax everybody. Yes, your taxes are gonna go up. Get over it. You go to Elizabeth Warren, And Warren tries to slip the punch by claiming the taxes are not going to go up, that you're actually going to save money since your employer is not going to have to pay for your health insurance anymore. And then there's a follow up question to Elizabeth Warren. And she's asked, OK, so do you really believe that employers are then going to take the money that they're not spending on health insurance and they're going to hand it back to all of the all of the employees? Like that's that's not going to be a thing. Here's Elizabeth Warren openly lying about taxing the middle class.
1: Will middle class taxes go up? Will private insurance be eliminated?
4: Look, what families have to deal with is cost, total cost. That's what they have to deal with. And understand, families are paying for their health care today. Families pay every time an insurance company says, sorry, you can't see that specialist.
0: In a debate with Donald Trump, that's not going to go well because she's going to say that. And Trump's going to say, you still haven't answered why you didn't pay for it. You still haven't answered. Right? Aren't taxes going to go up? Just a yes or no. This is very simple. Are taxes going to go up? Because everyone knows the answer to this. In fact, this is why people like Bernie, because Bernie is at least Bernie. Right Here's Bernie going, yep, pretty much tax is going to go up. Deal with it.
3: Status quo over 10 years will be $50 trillion. Every study done shows that Medicare for all is the most cost effective approach to providing health care to every man, woman and child in this country. I, who wrote the damn bill, if I may say so, <laughs> intend to eliminate all out-of-pocket expenses.
0: All He's li- of now, Bernie's t- wrong about this. Okay, when Bernie says that every study shows Medicare for all will save money, absolute nonsense. There's like one study that says that. All the others say it's going to cost an enormous, enormous amount of money. And Biden points that out. He says, um, guys, you, Bernie, and you, Elizabeth, you're just not telling the truth.
1: The fact of the matter is, we're in a situation where, if you notice, he hadn't answered the question. This is about candor, honesty, big ideas. Well, let's have a big idea. The, the tax of 2% that the senator's talking about, that raises about $3 billion. Guess what? That leaves you about $28 billion short. The senator said before, it's going to cost you in your pay. There will be a deductible in your paycheck. You're going to the middle class person, someone making 60 grand with three kids. They're going to end up paying $5,000 more. They're going to end up paying 4% more on their income tax. That's a reality. Now, it's not a bad idea. If you like it,
0: I don't like it. OK, so that that is that is Biden saying the exact correct thing. OK, and then you get to uh, this is. Uh, Honestly, I thought that Biden, for an old codger, he didn't do too badly last night. Here's Bernie Sanders talking about health care and Biden coming back with a line that actually is not a terrible line.
3: Let us be clear, Joe. In the United States of America, we are spending twice as much per capita on health care as the Canadians or any other major
0: country on Earth. This America. Okay, when he says this is America, you know, not Canada, he is correct. Now, people on the left were laughing at him. But the fact is that when he says that, he's not wrong. The fact is medical innovation happens here. You want a surgery, you're going to be able to get a surgery in the United States of America. The fact is healthcare outcomes in the United States are still pretty good when you remove all of the confounding factors. In fact, if you take away car accident deaths and homicide and suicide from the national statistics, what you end up with is the United States is one of the top countries on Earth in terms of life expectancy. So Joe Biden is not wrong on any of this. And again, it was it was a rough night for folks on the left who are going to have to answer these questions in a general election. We'll get to more of that in just one second. First, hiring can be a challenge. As Codable co-founder Gretchen Hiebner discovered, Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. So she went on over to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter. She said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter those candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. Like, say here at The Daily Wire, let's say that we had a producer and his name was Rob. And let's say that frequently there would be injunctions to Rob after the show to make sure that something was cleaned up in a piece of recording. Let's say that didn't happen. And so you sort of just decided, you know what? Enough of this, Rob. And you decided you were going to go out and get another qualified candidate through ZipRecruiter. You can make that happen insanely quickly, Rob. That's something that we could do really quickly through ZipRecruiter.com. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free. At our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire and also my smartest way of threatening my employees. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Go check it out right now. So as I say, the, the leftists in the race, the, the Bernies, I mean, they're all left, but Bernie and Warren, they, Bernie at least is honest. Warren is not. And that's why all the people who are singing Warren's praises after last, I'm not seeing Maybe maybe, I Listen, I could always be wrong. I can't gauge the minds of Democratic voters. But if they think that she is a formidable candidate based on that performance last night, I am not seeing it because she does not have great answers for all of this stuff. Amy Klobuchar clocked Bernie's health care plan. And she's exactly right. I mean, I thought that Klobuchar actually had a pretty good night last night.
2: When it comes to our health care and when it comes to our premiums, I go with the doctor's creed, which is do no harm. And while Bernie wrote the bill, I read the bill. And on page 8, on page 8 of the bill, it says that we will no longer have private insurance as we know it. And that means that 149 million Americans will no longer be able to have their current insurance. That's in four years. I don't think that's a bold idea. I think it's a bad idea.
0: Okay, and, and here's the thing. Elizabeth Warren is standing there knowing that what Klavachar is saying is correct. Right? Sanders doesn't have any clue that what she's saying is correct because Sanders still believes that Stalin was great at his job. But, but, <laughs> but Elizabeth Warren knows that. And, and her discomfort with her own policy positions was evident throughout the debate. Now, was it a universally good night for Joe Biden? No, it wasn't. So Julian Castro, who's become the kamikaze agent in this particular race, right? I mean, he is just running into the middle of fields of fire and trying to take out other candidates in a desperate plea for attention. So Julian Castro, he he went after Joe Biden and he was actually really dishonest about this. So I'll play you the exchange and then I'll explain why Julian Castro is actually lying about what Biden said. He went in there with one agenda with Joe Biden, and that is say Joe Biden is old. Try to say that Joe Biden doesn't belong on the debate stage because he's super old. And Julian Castro did that last night. He's sort of the Chris Christie of the Democratic Party here.
5: The difference between what I support and what you support, Vice President Biden, is that you require them to opt in, and I would not require them to opt in. They would automatically be enrolled. They wouldn't have to buy in. That's a big difference, because Barack Obama's vision was not to leave 10 million people uncovered. He wanted every single person in this country covered. My plan would do that. Your plan would not. They
1: do not have to buy in. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes
5: ago that they would have to buy in. I'm fulfilling fulfilling the legacy of Barack Obama, and you're not. I'll be surprised to him.
0: Okay, well, again, you know, Biden saying, you know, that that he is tied to Obama's leg is, is correct. So Julian Castro there is obviously attempting to. You don't even remember what you said two minutes ago. It's not true. You can go back and look at the transcript. Biden said that if you can't afford insurance, you'll be automatically enrolled in Medicaid. Right, that's what he said. But in any case, that was the hit on on Biden last night. And it's still the hit that Democrats think is going to take him out is that he's real old. Now, again, I thought Julian Castro was awful last night, but, you know, I, I did have a Godzilla let them fight moment. And that's when Julian Castro and Pete Buttigieg went at each other, two of the more smarmy candidates on stage. It was pretty wonderful. Buttigieg did the why are we all fighting with each other? Why can't we all be friends? And Julian Castro was like, because uh, this is a debate, moron.
3: This reminds everybody of what they cannot stand about Washington. Scoring points against each other, poking at each other, and telling each other that that
0: you're my plan, your plan. Look, we all. That's called a a Democratic primary election. That's called an election. (laughs) (laughs) Points to Julian Castro. It is so irritating when people do this, okay? It's super irritating. You've seen it in Republican debates and Democratic debates. Everybody's debating, it's called a debate. And somebody's like, why can't we all be on the same page? And Julian Castro's like, it's a debate. So I thought Julian Castro was terrible last night, but that was really good. That was really good. And Pete Buttigieg deserves this because he is insufferable. He has become so insanely insufferable. And he really showed it last night. I do have to play you the the one other relevant Andrew Yang clip, because anytime I have an excuse to play my boy, Andrew Yang, I'm going to. So last night, he just decided randomly to announce he knows a lot of doctors because he's Asian, which is weird and somewhat racially discriminatory. But sure, go for it.
5: Now, I am. Asian. So I know a lot of doctors and they tell me that they spend a lot of time on paperwork, avoiding being sued and navigating the insurance bureaucracy.
0: Yeah, that's like me going up there and being like, I'm Jewish. So that means I know a lot of accountants. Like, OK, all right. <laughs> OK, now here's the thing. Speaking of the the rest of the Democratic Party, the truth is that the main candidates uh, our, our, most Americans are sort of used to them at this point, right? We're used to Bernie. We're used to Biden. We're getting very used to Elizabeth Warren. But some of the fringe candidates are helping shape how people see the Democratic Party. And that's the stuff that's really good for President Trump. And a second, we're going to get to the Democratic Party asked about racism last night, because this stuff is really terrible for the Democrats. And every Democrat should be asked if they agree with Beto O'Rourke's view on American history. That guy went from being the supposed unifying moderate in Texas to being a wild left Howard Zinn spouting garbage machine. I mean, my goodness. You know, just stayed up a little night, brah, and I and I thought to myself, how do I break out from this pack of Democrats? I mean, sure I skateboard and I do a lot of weed, but how do I really break out? I, I guess I'll I guess I'll read some Howard Zinn and then he just flips through like seven pages. And he goes, you know what? I never thought of this before. America is racist, brah. We'll get to that in just one second first. Great news, folks. We are hiring at The Daily Wire. So if you'd also like to be threatened with unemployment in a ZipRecruiter ad, you can go over to dailywire.com right now. Thankfully, our business is growing rapidly. That means we have more positions to fill. How are we going to pay for all you people? I have no idea. But- Go check it out right now at dailywire.com/slash/careers. Check out all of the great job opportunities. If something looks right for you or someone you know, send us your information ASAP. Again, that is dailywire.com/slash/careers. Come be part of our amazing team and be abused by me on a daily basis. I mean, just ask our producers. Also, it is that glorious time of the week when I want to give a shout out to a Daily Wire subscriber. So today, this is, honestly this is the best shout out ever. It's Instagrammer fighting and thriving who clearly understands strength, th- strength through adversity. is pretty amazing. In the picture, she's holding her elite beverage vessel in one hand with her husband, who's wearing a fantastic Shapiro Show shirt by her side, holding the other. The caption reads, getting through third chemo treatment with the help of my love and my new Tumblr from the Daily Wire backstage live show, hashtag leftist tears Tumblr, hashtag TNBC Thriver, hashtag Ben Shapiro Show. Well, God bless you. And we are all praying for you. Sound like an amazing person and keep fighting because we're all behind you. Really, really cool. Thank you for taking that picture. Thank you so much for coming to the show. And thanks for posting that beautiful, inspiring picture. And we are definitely praying for you here at the Ben Shapiro Show. We know you're in great hands at the Martin O'Neill Cancer Center. And we pray that you keep fighting and thriving. Pretty awesome stuff. And congrats on being featured on the Friday show. Also, go check out our Sunday special this weekend. So you should subscribe. Why should you, should you subscribe? First of all, because we have to pay all our, our employees. Right? Otherwise, how are they going to get paid? I mean, they're basically unemployable otherwise. That's why you should subscribe. Also, to protect us against idiots on the left who want to de-platform us. Also, because you get all sorts of goodies, right? You get that beverage vessel. It's amazing. The leftist tears hot or cold tumbler. Also, because you get our Sunday special on Saturday. So believe it or not, this Sunday, I talk rap. Not kidding. There's a rapper named Zuby. He stopped by and we talked rap. So for all the people who are out there who are like, oh, Shapiro's a racist because he doesn't like rap. I gave Zuby a chance to make his case to me about rap. I still don't like rap. But at least I understand the case a little bit better. You should check out the Sunday special. It's a lot of fun. Here's a little bit of a preview.
5: I think one of the worst things you can do, especially to a young person, is to convince them that they're some kind of victim and that the world is against them and that they're oppressed, especially if that's not actually true. Because I believe that whatever lens you view the world through is going to be your reality.
0: It's a great conversation. Also, we talk about personal fitness because Zuby is ripped like a maniac. I mean, this is a guy who he I first got to know Zuby's work when he broke every British female weightlifting record while identifying as a female for like five minutes (laughs) and then became a viral thing. I helped make it viral. So Zuby stopped by. It was really great. Go check it out. Please subscribe. We always appreciate it. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. (laughs) So we've gone through some of the internal dynamics of the Democratic Party race. Now it's time to talk about what their agenda looks like to outsiders. So as I say, if you had to sum up the Democratic agenda, we'll go topic by topic in this particular debate on health care. It's we're going to take away your private insurance and raise middle class taxes to do it. So if that sounds great, I'll go for it, America. Alternatively, we'll do it, but we'll just do it real slowly. Right. That's sort of Biden's plan. OK, then we get to racism Hey, you ready for this? So here's Beta O'Rourke after having read like seven pages of Howard's Inn in a late night doobie binge. Here is here's Beta O'Rourke desperately seeking attention. Here's his take on America. It's not great.
5: Racism in America is endemic. It is foundational. We can mark the creation of this country not at the Fourth of July, 1776, but August twentieth, 1619, when the first kidnapped African was brought to this country against his will and in bondage and as a slave built the greatness and the success and the wealth that neither he nor his descendants would ever be able to fully participate in and enjoy. I'm going to follow Sheila Jackson Lee's lead and sign into law a reparations bill that will allow us to address this at its foundation. But we will also call out the fact... That we have a white supremacist in the White House and he poses a mortal threat to people of color all across this country.
0: So he just called Trump a racist murderer on a national stage, suggested that America's foundation is slavery. Not that slavery was a part of America's history and a horrible part of America's history that required the death of some 600,000 soldiers in a civil war and the bravery of millions of African-Americans and allies in the in, in the Reconstruction era South, in the Jim Crow era, in the civil rights movement, Now he's not going to talk about any of that. Right. America's just a dark, horrible place. And Trump is a white supremacist in the White House who poses a moral threat to people of color all across the country, which should come as a shock to all the people of color all across the country who have jobs now because the economy is doing real well. We have the lowest black unemployment rate in American history. But apparently Trump wants to kill all the black people. That's how he's lowering the unemployment rate. Apparently he's going around murdering all of the minorities and then they're not on the the unemployment line. So that's obviously what Beto thinks. I mean, this is just insanity. It's insanity. And if you think that Trump ain't going to use that sort of stuff in a general election campaign, the Democrats cheering, cheering as he says that America was not founded on the 4th of July, but in slavery, that we are endemically racist. And one of the things that makes Beto so repellent as a candidate and, and now as a human being is that he is the, he's the race equivalent of the guy who declares himself a male feminist, right? The guy who says, well, you know, it's not just that I stand for, for female rights. It's I'm a male feminist. I'm more woke than the females are. Beto is more woke. He's more woke than anybody. He's going to acknowledge his white privilege. So elect him to president. Make that white guy president so he can acknowledge his white privilege from the White House. Perfect pitch, Beto. And then Cory Booker comes out there and he's like, you know what? P- black people are in jail disproportionately because of racism. Not because... People get arrested for crimes and disproportionately those people happen to be minority. But just randomly, the police are just picking up black folks and throwing them in, in jail, which would be pretty wild if that were true. But it ain't. So here's Cory Booker doing this routine.
5: We have systemic racism that is eroding our nation from health care to the criminal justice system. And it's nice to go all the way back to slavery. But dear God, we have a criminal justice system that is so racially biased. We have more (laughs) African-Americans under criminal supervision today than all the slaves in 1850.
0: Okay, there's a difference. The slaves in 1850 didn't commit crimes. If you're talking about people who are in jail, they committed crimes. They were convicted of crimes. Slaves were innocent. They were brought here against their will and then forced to work and give their labor to others at the point of uh, at the point of sword, effectively. See, to compare people who are in prison now to slaves brought over against their will, in many cases, raped, separated from their families, f- beaten. I mean, like, come come the hell on. I mean, this is, this is insanity. It's insanity. So you know, does this cut in Trump's favor? You bet it cuts in Trump's favor. Here's Joe Biden botching his line and suggesting that nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. Nobody. So I guess Bernie Madoff's about to get out of jail. That's exciting.
1: Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. As when we were in the White House, we
0: released 36,000 people from the federal prison system. Nobody should be in jail for nonviolent crime. Like no one. How about like drug dealing, not drug using, like drug dealing. That's a nonviolent crime. Let's say that you're dealing crack to 12 year old kids outside a playground. Should you be in jail for that? I feel like sort of. I feel like that. Yeah, I, I feel like that should probably be a jailable offense. Let's say you commit embezzlement. That seems like something you should go to jail for. So later he says, well, he meant nonviolent drug crime. Again, there are lots of drug dealers who are in prison who are dealing drugs to children. Should they be in prison? Yes. Yes, they should. By the way, the vast majority of people in pr- we've gone through these stats before. The vast majority of people in prison on the state and federal level are not there for nonviolent drug possession offenses. That is a minute percentage of both the state and federal prison population. But we're going to pretend this is all racism and all the rest. OK, then the Democrats get to gun control. And this gets really wild. So Beto, again, just Leroy Jenkinsing the hell out of this thing. So Democrats are, uh, Cory Booker literally came out this morning. And he was like, you know, Republicans, they keep, after the debate, Republicans, they keep saying that, that this is fear, that, that Democrats are going to confiscate their weapons. That's fear-mongering, is what Cory Booker said. And then, we don't even have Play Booker. And then we have, and then Beto is just like, Leroy Jenkins. So here's Beto saying, I'm coming for your gun. Yeah, you and who else, buddy?
5: Hell yes, we're gonna take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not gonna allow it to be used against people cheering this.
0: You know, that we have this thing called the Second Amendment in the United States. You are going to criminalize my ownership of an AR-15? Have I committed a crime? You're going to come to my house with the police, and you're going to threaten to jail or shoot me if I don't hand over my weapon that I own to protect myself from criminals and from tyranny? That's Beto's plan. Yeah, good luck with this in a general election cycle, guys. Again, Joe Biden desperately trying to cling on to moderation here. I mean, he's like grabbing the hem of the Democratic Party skirt and being like, guys, guys, don't do it. Here's Joe Biden talking about how you can't simply declare that you're going to take everybody's guns. We have this thing called the Constitution and the crowd cheering, cheering Kamala Harris, saying, we don't need a Constitution. Nobody's nobody cares about the Constitution anymore. Old man, listen to this exchange. It's astonishing. You can't
1: do it by executive order any more than Trump can do things when he says he can do it by executive order. Does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can, many things you okay. can't. Let's let the
2: senator answer. Well, oh, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe, instead of saying no, we can't, let's say yes, we can. <laughs> Man, there's that That's
0: crazy. Constitutional. Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, constitutional. Yes, we can. Ah. <laughs> she, she breaks out that joker laugh. I mean, that is some creepy bleep. Biden And at the very end, Biden gets laughed over. He says, let's be constitutional. We've got a constitution. And Kamala Harris is like, all right. All right, Democratic Party. This is the route you want to go. All right. And then Elizabeth Warren jumps in and she's like, you know what? Let's just dump the filibuster, right? You know, we need to get rid of the filibuster. Okay. So I have this thing that I want to remind Elizabeth Warren of, you know, who's in charge of the Senate right now? Mitch McConnell. You want to do this thing? I say Mitch McConnell should put up for a vote dumping the filibuster today. And let's see how Elizabeth Warren votes on it when it's Republicans in charge. Here's Elizabeth Warren going, yeah, let's just dump the filibuster and then we can ram through gun control and confiscation.
4: We have a Congress that is beholden To the gun industry and unless we're willing to address that head on and roll back the filibuster we're not going to get anything done on guns i was in the united states senate when 54 senators said let's do background checks let's get rid of assault weapons and with 54 senators it failed because of the filibuster
0: okay also also if, if it had not been filibustered, if this had happened under a Republican president, there's something called the veto power. So Trump would veto any bill of that sort. But in any case, you know, when, when Elizabeth Warren, if, if it was Obama that was president then, then the filibuster was effective. The filibuster is there to provide yet another check and balance against a bare majority running roughshod over rights enshrined in the Constitution. In any case, this is radical stuff, right? The Democrats are proving themselves to be radical every day. And then Pete Buttigieg jumps into the game on immigration. He just dumps out there. He's like, yeah, if you support Trump, you're a racist. And by the way, you're going to hell. He didn't really dump that last part. That's been his pitch. His pitch has been as the holiest man on this stage to support late term abortion and be in a same sex marriage as the, per- the most Bible believing person to not believe certain sections of the Bible. Let me explain to you my campaign platform. Anyway, here's Pete Buttigieg saying that if you support Trump, you're racist. So just to get, the, just to get this straight, according to Beto, America is deeply and systemically racist. According to Cory Booker, the only reason black people are in jail basically at all Is because of criminal justice, racism. And according to Pete, according to Beto and the rest of the Democratic Party, Donald Trump is a white supremacist, racist murderer. And according to Pete Buttigieg, if you support Trump's immigration platform, you are also a racist. Solid pitch here, guys.
1: Do you think that people who support President Trump and his immigration policies are racist? Anyone who supports this is supporting
3: racism.
0: Okay, well, yeah, go 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 along with that. So you support border control. You're supporting racism. Yada. Now. The the best part of the Democratic Party right now is that they also don't have any solutions. and And there are places where they totally agree with Trump, but they just can't say so out loud. And so you end up with this bizarre situation where their policies look a lot like President Trump's policy, but they can't say it. So on China, there's broad bipartisan agreement that China is a national security threat to the United States, that they are stealing our intellectual property, that they are pursuing global ambition, that they have built up their regional power and that we have to do something about it. Every Democrat, when asked about this, they refuse to just say, yes, I agree with the president about China. Here's what I would do differently. Instead, it turns into Trump's all wrong about China. Also, I'm going to do all the exact same things that that China, that, that Trump's currently doing on China. Here's Buttigieg trying to thread this ridiculous needle.
3: I would have a strategy that would include the tariffs as leverage, but it's not about the tariffs. Look, what's going on right now is a president who has reduced the entire China challenge into a question of uh, of tariffs. When what we know is that the tariffs are coming down on us more than anybody else. And there's a lack of. A I mean, he's just strategy. speaking
0: gobbledygook, people to judge right there. So, in other words, Trump, I would also use tariffs just like Trump is using tariffs. But Trump is bad for using the tariffs, whereas I would be good for using the tariffs. Solid, solid pitch. And then you get to Elizabeth Warren. So here's, here's where Elizabeth Warren really is passionate. And just like Trump, she, she does not understand the basics of international trade. So she is, I mean, much worse than Trump. Here's what she says about negotiating trade agreements. What she's about to say is patently insane. Patently insane. She says that the way that we should do trade policy in the United States is we should have American unions negotiate our trade policy with China. Yeah, that's going to happen. We're going to artificially... You want a trade war? Have our unions and the environmentalists in the United States dictate trade policy to countries with whom we trade. That is a great way of never arriving at a trade agreement ever for the rest of time. Because you know who's not going to abide by our union rules? I have a feeling. China or anyone else. You know who's not going to abide by our environmental rules? China or anyone else. Like she's ripping on China about his trade policies. And then she's like, basically, I would tariff everybody to the, to the moon. It's, it's insane.
4: We change our trade policy in America is first the procedures who sits at the table. I want to negotiate trade with unions at the table. I want to negotiate it with small farmers at the table. I want to negotiate it with environmentalists at the table. I want to negotiate with human rights activists at the table.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's going to go great. That's going to go fantastically well. And then Kamala Harris just sort of Leroy Jenkins is it herself. And she, like, seriously, every answer that Kamala Harris gave last night is, I'm going to unconstitutionally seize power, and also I hate Trump. So she's talking about China, and she just randomly calls Trump physically small, which is weird, because Trump is actually a fairly large human being. Here is, here is Kamala Harris doing this routine, and everybody cheering and clapping.
2: Donald Trump, in office, on trade policy, you know, he reminds me of that, that guy in The Wizard of Oz, you know, when you pull back the curtain, it's a really small dude.
0: Wow. Well, just wow, that's that's pretty spectacular. Okay, also the Democrats being radical on foreign policy. So on Afghanistan, every single Democrat said that they would completely withdraw all troops from Afghanistan. They wouldn't even leave a trigger force. Okay, which is obviously against what Joe Biden had to say. Eliz- Elizabeth Warren says we should withdraw all the troops and then we and then we will solve it with with diplomacy. Which is always uh, my favorite thing is when Democrats treat diplomacy like it's a strategy. Diplomacy is a tactic. It is not a strategy. A strategy is where you come up with a broad, overarching plan for how you achieve your goals. Maybe one of the pieces of that plan is diplomacy. Like Trump right now was trying to engage in diplomacy with the Taliban. But Democrats seem to believe that if you just shout diplomacy at things, then they solve themselves. So Iran's a problem. Diplomacy! North Korea, man, they have nuclear weapons. Diplomacy! That's not a strategy, you idiots. That's a tactic. And if you think diplomacy hasn't been attempted with Afghanistan, you are completely foolish. Again, Elizabeth Warren tries to obfuscate her message. Bernie Sanders just dumps it right out there. He's just like, I love the troops. Also, we should fire all of them and take away all the money from the military. Bernie Sanders, man, owning it.
3: We cannot express our gratitude to all of the men and women who have put their lives on the line to defend them, defend us, who have responded to the call of duty. But I think also I am the only person up here to have voted against all three of Trump's military
0: budgets. Well, I don't know you can do both of those things. We're so grateful for, this, for the soldiers. Also, none of them should have jobs. Also, I'm not going to fund anything they need. Solid, solid pitch. OK, so it goes like this, right? Climate change. They declare that this is the day after tomorrow. That's what Amy Klobuchar said. And there was this amusing point where Bernie Sanders suggested that it's unfair to call Venezuela socialist, which is always fun. But there is one more moment that is worthy of note. And that is, again, underscoring the main complaint against Biden, which is that he's not with it. So Biden was pretty alive last night, like for for a man who is not fully conscious, he was fairly alive last night. And then there was this one moment as the debate went on and it moved into its seventh hour last night. Joe Biden started to lose some steam and he was asked about education and he ended up rambling about record players, which isn't a great look if you're trying to rebut accusations that you're too old and out of touch to be in the race and you start rambling about a technology that went out of style like before I was born, then that ain't great. Here is Joe Biden rambling about record players as an answer to education.
1: We bring social workers into homes and parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't want they don't know quite what to do. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night, the, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. A kid coming from a very poor school, a, a very poor background, will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time they get there.
0: OK, so what he's going for here is there are these studies that show that impoverished that that particularly parents of single kids, I mean, uh, single single parents of children, that they speak fewer words to their children and children develop differently based on that, that language deficiency. That's what he's going for there. Instead, he's like, turn on the... Te- well, I can't say turn on the television because that actually is not good for kids. Put on the record player. Record players have not been relevant since approxim I mean, like, put on the phonograph. Put on the phonograph. We need the phonograph. Put on some Benny Goodman. All right, Joe. So, okay, time for some very quick grades. And then we'll get to a quick thing I like and a quick thing that... You know, we won't even do things I like or things I hate. Here are the quick grades. Last night's debate grades. Biden, B-. minus Because he fulfilled expectations, but he had a couple of gaffes. Bernie was a B because Bernie is always a B. Warren was a C because I thought that she didn't fulfill expectations. Buttigieg was a D because he's just terrible. Klobuchar I thought was a B plus, but nobody cares because she's irrelevant. Castro was an F because he's deeply annoying and horrible. Cory Booker was a B. We didn't even play any Cory Booker because he's not super relevant, but I thought that he performed okay. Beto was an F because he's awful. Kamala Harris was a D, but shading into an F because she was awful too. And Andrew Yang was a Yang. Those are the grades. Those are your debate grades. All righty. Well, you know what? We're not even going to do things I like and things I hate because I had to expend too much energy putting together today's show. But if you want more analysis of the debate, if you want to hear about President Trump's appearance last night in which he called himself orange, which is a thing that happened and was kind of hilarious, you you can tune in a little bit later today. We have two additional hours. It's one of the reasons you should subscribe over at dailywire.com. Also, we'll be doing mailbag and questions and all sorts of fun things. You should go subscribe otherwise. It's a Friday. Have a great weekend. I'm Ben Shapiro. You're listening to The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Klavan Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Assistant director Pavel Wydowski, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019.
1: On the Matt Walsh Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.
0: We'll get to more on this in just 1 second first.